You're listening to an episode of Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, the podcast dedicated to honest conversations with educators about what they do and, more importantly, who they are. I'm your host, John LeMay, and I'm here to highlight the complex and rich lives led by teachers with diverse interests, identities, and stories. Hi there. Thanks for checking out this week's episode, which features Chris Lee Rodriguez, a teaching artist, former classroom music teacher, and guitarist and vocalist in Really From, an indie jazz band based in Boston. If you've listened to this podcast at all, you should be familiar with Really From, as we use part of their song, You Need a Visa, for our theme music. Chris and I speak about how he adapted to his first few years in the classroom, the pros and cons he's encountered since becoming a teaching artist, and we discuss Chris's views on national education policy and practices, and how students can get caught in the middle of all that. Chris is very passionate about all that he does, and I found what he had to say compelling and insightful, and I hope you do too. My conversation with Chris was one of the first that I recorded for the podcast, so I appreciate his willingness to be involved with the early stages of Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. If you're enjoying the podcast, please recommend us to a friend, and please rate and review us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. All right, let's get into my conversation with Chris. Hope you enjoy. Chris Lee Rodriguez, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, so what I want you to do first is just, if you can, to the best of your ability, uh, describe your first full-time teaching job, like how much you remember, um, like what was the nature of it, how was that experience for you, and obviously what was the job? So I was a general music teacher at Salem Academy Charter School in Salem, Massachusetts, and that was uh, grade 6 through 12, and I taught general music, band, choir, a piano class, like uh, this class I created called Music Exploratory, which was like, wasn't really well fleshed out. Um, I taught after school clubs. So I taught an after school guitar club and uh, piano class and uh, not piano class, uh, like a band class and an after school choir. Um, and basically I was, was running around and doing like a three person job in one. And I worked at a at the charter school, it was like part of like a renovated corporate building, and I taught in the cafeteria. So I always had to like rearrange the desks to make it like like rearrange the cafeteria tables to make it seem like there are desks, and there was always food everywhere. And there was I had like a little corner where there was a piano and like a and the whiteboard. So you didn't you didn't have like your own classroom, or you you did? It was just the, the cap- cafeteria. Yeah, it was like a corner of the cafeteria was my classroom, and then for some classes I would go to other teachers' classrooms to teach like. Uh, piano or choir and that was like the most stressful job I've ever had because I was like fish out of water first year teaching and I had to do so much and was kind of like mediocre at everything like I was really bad at uh, I personally I thought I was really bad at uh, a teaching band like band like wind orchestras are really hard for me because I'm not the greatest like woodwind player or I could teach at like an elementary level but I taught eighth grade band and I was really stressful because I'm like I'm not like these kids are just as good as me and I'm like still trying to figure this out and it was quite a lot of work that I just wasn't ready for and it was like a 12-hour gig because I, I lived in Boston at the time it was an hour commute and I would like teach all and there was it was a charter school so they had longer school days so it ended at four or something and then I taught an after school club until five so I didn't get home to like really and I was just like always stressed out to really do as much work as I could 
um, and still trying to figure out, like, I wasn't still figure out what kind of like, music teacher I wanted to be, what I was good at, what not, I was not good at, and, like, how do I want to teach, like, a general music class, and thought I had all these mis, not, like, these preconceived notions of, like, how it should be. And when I went to it, I was like, oh, this is probably not the best way to do this. Yeah. Well, and, and it, I, it's kind of a cliche that, like, your first year of teaching is just always going to be awful yeah, to some degree. Or, I, I don't know. That was, that was my expectation, at least. But it sounds like, like you really felt like, like you said, like a fish out of water. Like, you felt like you were just kind of making yeah. it up as you went along. And it along. was like, I was the only music teacher, too. So, I was like, I, like all the guidance I, like, I got was, like, through, like, classroom management. And then, like, trying to figure out, like, my own, like, emotional center, too, of, like, how well fed I should be or just then trying, I want to do all this other stuff. Like I started a, a poetry slam club, uh, a slam team. And then I helped out a lot with like kids who were like start assemblies. Like it was during when the Mike Brown, like black lives matter movie was really starting to come together. And a lot of kids want to like spearhead these different organizations and these, these field trips. And I was really helpful with that. So I was like pulling myself way too thin. I wanted to be really helpful, but also had no sanity of my own. Right. Well, and there's, there's that pressure in that first year to kind of say yes to everything yeah. and just kind of make yourself feel as like qualified and like as professional as possible. Um, and to also like grow as an educator and just do all these different experiences. But you're also doing that at a time when you are the least experienced you'll ever be. Um, you're just so new to this. So did, were, was that a full-time job? Like, were you like, was it a, it wasn't a student teaching gig? No, no, it was a straight, straight full-time job at a charter school. Um, right after I finished, I graduated Berkeley in 2014. I got offered the job the week I graduated. So I was like, I got a full-time job, comes with benefits, do everything. I have, I have the license. I know how to do this. And little did I know. I just had also didn't like understand like my worth as a teacher too. I feel like that's a lot of like, a lot of teachers, they feel like, they get we got manipulated so well because we're like not told what our worth could be and a lot of teachers know what their worth could be as like how much they deserve to get paid by like all the masters they they get, like a ma master degrees they have all this stuff and the state still doesn't pay them what their worth is and yet they still do it because they still love to do this thing and it was really hard and i was trying to struggle with that too it was like should i like i was getting paid this much but i was still like struggling and like i feel like i make less money now than I did when I was a full-time, my first year teacher, but I just know how to manage my money more. And I know, cause, because it's not as frequent and like I had a salary job. So like, oh, I have these two checks, but the more I work, I still get paid the same amount. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so when you say that you didn't know your worth as a teacher, do you mean like you didn't know that you had worth as a teacher or you didn't feel like you had worth or like you didn't know exactly like what you were good at or what like your uh, strengths were as a teacher or is it a, was it a mixture a of both that, a little bit i didn't know like what how good i was i didn't know how like to like document my results and see how it's like a long-term process and even when i say worth i just mean like monetarily too like how like much teachers get paid and i was like oh this is makes this salary makes sense because i've never been paid a lot of money for a job before so i was like out of college i didn't understand what like a 401k and like i understand like how paychecks work and like how to like be a self-sustaining human being and, like, really, I think that's a lot, like, a huge problem that a lot of adults, like, outside of education deal with when they first graduate. Like, you don't know how much you get paid or not. And then there are people who, like, make stupid amount of money doing less work than, like, teachers do. And it's crazy to me. It's just, like, it's, it baffles my mind. So. Yeah, no, totally. Well, and I think that's probably going to be something that, you know, where I'm, as, as I've 
talk to people like for this podcast i'm sure that's going to be a thing that we constantly go back to because it is a cliche and it's a stereotype but it is true that like teachers just don't get paid very much and they do put in a lot of a lot of hours now did you um looking back sort of at you said earlier in the conversation that you also didn't feel like you were doing a very good job and you also just felt kind of unprepared but do you look back on that and think wow it was actually amazing that i was able to do that or there were certain things that you you kind of feel like in the sense like proud of yourself for being able to do yeah. or proud of yourself for being able to navigate i think i definitely like learned a lot i think i really value what i learned at that job and like how to like be a teacher how to like establish community how to manage a classroom manage children how to like greet kids how to be my own mature person because i felt like i wasn't very mature too i was 22 23 around the time and if you, anyone meets a 22, 23-year-old and you're older than that, you, you still see them as a child. And they're not, like, the most mature people in the world. So I was like, I'm teaching kids how to be an adult, but I don't feel like an adult. And it was a weird it was a weird thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, totally. And it's crazy that you have to, like, navigate all of these adult things like 401k or retirement yeah. plans and or credit cards and all that too. kind of stuff. I just was not ready for that. And you're also being forced to be, like, the literally the only adult exactly. in the room which is just something that life just doesn't prepare you for even if you were you know you had teaching experience before you were you went full time you, you can only be so prepared for it so were, were you an education major yeah, at berkeley yeah, I music education and i did like my student teaching in like in the city of boston uh at like different different schools i've just been like always wanted to be like an urban educator and like stay in cities and try like make a difference and it was like definitely Learning that at Salem Academy, it was definitely, I, I did appreciate, like, the extra stuff I did, all the extracurricular things I did, and how, like, I was uh, able to, like, be, provide mentorship to these kids and, like, to try like, talk to them. And definitely on a, like, technical level and on a, like, a, like, a, like the scientific side of teaching, I, de I definitely think I did make many mistakes. Um, but I definitely appreciate the time, like, the relationships I created with those students and, like, how to, like, just be like it's just a good mentor and like just ideas like convey different ideas and like definitely I, I definitely learned that job taught me what i was not good at too and definitely taught me was like all right i don't want to do this you know what i mean like i want to teach music but i don't want to teach like band or i don't want to teach choir so say more about that so when you say like what you're not good at or what you don't want to do, do do you mean like teaching band and choir and like those more like traditional music yeah, classes yeah i realized like my like strengths as a music teacher are kind of like in like the alternative like contemporary styles like teaching uh i'm really good i'm good at teaching guitar or like teaching like music theory or like different like extra music curricular kind of stuff um but i'm not good at like teaching like a woodwind instrument or teaching singing because i'm not the best woodwinds player or or singer or um just definitely like re i really liked teaching middle school over high school for at that period of time because like i was too close to those kids at high school and like trying to didn't know how to act in high school when I was in high school. Didn't want to be in high school. Like, didn't know how to interact with high school kids at that age either. So I'm always, like, super awkward. And I realized I was better working with middle school kids because that age group, I'm like, they're also really awkward. I'm like, I could somehow like, relate to them more, which is a crazy thing. Right. You, you can find, you, you can, like, offer solidarity yeah, yeah. In, in their awkwardness and, and vice versa, exactly. probably. So so when did you first realize that you wanted to, to be a teacher or an educator of some sort? I think I always wanted to, like, be a teacher, like, make a difference or something. Well, I always wanted to go to Berkeley when I was in high school. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to go to Berkeley, I need to have a job. 
like any like pick like I picked career. Um, like I don't think I was like a good enough performer to like. Oh, if I want to, I don't want to spend all this money just to like get a degree in performance because that's really not worth much. So I was like thinking all the different outlets, like the different avenues that you could do at Berkeley. And I was like, I don't want to do business because I hate business. Um, I hate the like the concept of it. It was, like 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 the anti capitalist myself was like not didn't want to go that route <laughs> i couldn't do any engineering like uh music production or like electronic design stuff because my mind didn't work like that i didn't have the patience for that so it was either music like and then composition i was like oh i don't want to like really learn about those kind of like that didn't really interest me as well so i was like oh it's a, it really is like teaching i liked helping people you guys want to help people and stuff and definitely like work with like kids and like different like communities underserved communities and uh communities that don't like get as much help um, and that's what I always wanted to like could dedicate my time towards. And I definitely thought like education was like a good outlet for that as like a form, like my own like personal form of activism or my personal form of just trying to like give back to uh, like different, like I'm always wanted to work like in an inner city or like in an urban environments where, um, you know, they don't have the same access as other, other kids. And there are a lot of kids that grow up like very, very privileged. And I want to like try use those resources to change the like un- underserved privileged um, communities. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. So where do you think that comes from? Like the desire to serve like underserved communities or under resourced communities? Was that because of like your own experiences and growing up? Like, did you also go to a public or a charter school? Um, Cause I, I feel like for people, it tends to be kind of one of two extremes as to why they choose to go that route in education, either because they come from that community or they were well served by people who decided to give back or it comes from a place of like they came from a different kind of community or went to a private school and they feel like they kind of want to experience the other side of it so where where do you think that came from for you definitely it's like it's kind of like a mix of both because i went to the school i went to uh i like lived in like two different neighborhoods when i was growing up and one with the one neighborhood i lived in i was like mostly middle and lower class there were kids that like went to the pro like lived in the projects the same school that I did. There was a lot of like black and brown kids, and all the white white people I knew in that school were all like un working class white kids, and it was like a those economic divide. And obviously, then when my parents got divorced. They moved up to a nicer neighborhood so I could go to a better school, and that was like super privileged, very wealthy. Uh, everyone was either white or Korean, and like there was like I was a lawyer, or a scientist, and these were kids who were like had so much advantages and I, I was I remember I recognized that like huge division and I recognized that huge like class divide like oh man these like these towns are, like 10 15 minutes away from each other and yet they're like completely different and definitely my I was thinking about like my parents and like the type of like schools that they went to they didn't really care about school like my mom went to high school in like Puerto Rico in the barrio and like my dad grew up in like Lower East Side in, like New York when it was not New York was very different in, like the mid-20th century than it was today um and just really is always recognizing that I always want to realize oh if i want to be a teacher i want to like serve some i don't know i always want to make a difference and you really want to always want to make music part of my life and i was like oh these are like kind communities that kind of navigate towards that i under i recognize both and at the same time i feel also separate from both as well uh, there's like a weird type of like uh, loneliness and like being how I acted in one group or another group and I really fit belong. I was always want to try like work in those communities and make a difference um, through teaching music as uh, I think that's something I definitely learned when I was uh, at college too 
and I learn more about like working those environments rather than the actual pedagogy itself, like actually how to teach music. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's more so just like seeing the experience of my own parents and just like seeing that whole like divide myself and thought that something was always kind of fishy with that. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Well, yeah, and, it, and it, it's got to be complicated. And I can identify that with that to a certain degree just because like I, I teach in a private school and I that's what I that's where I've taught since I started teaching full time. Um, but I went to a you know fairly under resourced public school in, in New Hampshire, but I also had really positive experiences like at summer programs at private schools. So I it, but it, it can be complicated for me personally because I think about, you know, to what extent I'm just teaching very privileged communities and in some sense kind of contributing to like what makes them more privileged when that wasn't my experience growing up in terms of the, the type of school I went to. I mean, I'm, I'm white and I grew up in, in New Hampshire and there's a certain amount of privilege that comes with that, but it, it gets, for me, it gets pretty complicated to kind of figure that out and figure out what my priorities are and like what, how can I do the most good or, or have, do the type of good that I personally want to do. Do you ever find yourself sort of conflicted about what, how to balance like what you want to do versus like what, does the most um, good yeah, that makes sense like it's uh that's definitely something i was a conflict with like right now i've been like part-time teaching for like the past three years and i like don't want to work a full-time job because i want to do other things and don't like the idea of like feeling tied down to like a full-time job felt too adult for me still like in my early 20s and like uh, the, the amount of sacrifice you have to be have to do to be a teacher was a lot of sacrifice that i wasn't ready to make i was like oh i guess i can't like I really want to be working my music and work being a band and like it's hard to do that and then like work as a full-time teacher in a public school or like a charter school um at that time I don't want to do that so I sort of sort of found my ways in like non-profit and I was able to like get that uh fulfillment of feeling like I was doing good while at the same time being uh focused on like my art and like doing that as well um and definitely uh, there's like compromise to do that so like i i do that i don't get the same amount of benefits as i do as working full-time as a teacher and i'm broke all the time and so it's like there's certain things you have to choose and decide what you really want and you gotta be okay with either scenarios like there's certain things you have to give up so i was rather like i'd rather be broken <laughs> eating off eating pasta every night than uh <laughs> um trying to like you know be like giving up the other things that are very important to me in my life so do you feel like you're you're you've done a nice job of striking that balance i mean you've been doing it for you've been teaching yeah. for for some years now and do you feel like you've kind of achieved that balance or at least it feels uh, sustainable right now you know, um it's kind of yeah it's work, <laughs> it's in work in progress it's definitely like sustainability is hard like what i've been doing for the past two years is being a teaching artist in new york city and it's all like it's just like a, it's like a gig life where you're not sure if you get booked residencies or not so work isn't always guaranteed and then also like you don't have like the same support of like nonprofits through like you learn about the, the the bureaucracy of working with nonprofits through public schools and the lack of communication there, and then like uh, if I don't work I don't get paid rather than if you're a teacher on a salary it's no days no matter what you still get that check and that's like really what it comes down to is like being it's all these gotta figure out your finances and then definitely on the financial side it's I can't say it's like super sustainable, and I'm just definitely living like month to month if I'm also like. I've mastered the art of like not doing anything. It's like, all right, this weekend I haven't, I didn't make that much money. So I'm just going to sit in my house and read a book. So right, definitely, right, right. it depends like what you want in life too. Like if you want to like go out all the time and have like, if you're a very like extroverted person, it's like, oh, I need to like go to the bar, all this and do that. 
it's like fine you're getting like you need work and you need to work a full-time job and that makes sense too and it was kind of like i didn't want to like be in that loop too i feel like it's like that weird like constant loop of like doing that and not really trying to do other things so um i think i definitely am like pretty good with where i'm at right now and i'm like again considering like having another um move to like a um, possibly move to another city or change jobs and i don't know how much frequently i can keep doing this work right now but um that's always like something i gotta think about every year every year is like all right what do i want to do different or what maybe i have to change my job or i've been like bouncing from job to job for like the past four years um and they're working at different schools this is my first year where two of my sites that i'm at right now are like repeating sites um that i've been like i've had students for more than two, two like two years which is a long time for me I've always had them for a year, and then, like, I kind of dip. And then you kind of see the long-term effect of that. Like, how it's not, you're not, you're not really, I'm, I can't be really be an effective teacher if I'm only there for a year. Because it's, like, years to build upon skills and try to, like, develop these things. Yeah, it's nice to be in an environment where you can kind of develop that yeah. momentum. And, like you said, like, see the long-term effects that, the effects are still there if you're at a school for a year. But it's nice to actually be able exactly. to, like, see them and sort of, like, manifest it. get into the swing of things. It's like, all right, I understand how to navigate this. Rather than be, like, in a new new town, be like, all right, how do I do this? What do I do? What works? What are these kids? How do I, like, redevelop this whole relationship? I've just been doing that so much and I'm probably I might I might do that again. I'm not sure. I might like move move out of this area. I might move back to Boston. I might move into the city. I might go to other jobs. I don't know. I'm like still considering my options. And you also I I feel like your 20s is a good time to do that too, or any time really. I mean like it's never really too late. But it's like definitely right now once you're out of college, just like trying to figure things out. And no one I feel like as the older you get, you just realize the art of growing up is just the art of figuring it out as you go along. The sustainability is hard. Totally. And and. When you're when you're younger, you just have fewer considerations, yeah, like yeah. fewer variables in place. I mean, you have you have an extra set of considerations because you obviously have the band and you have different yeah. projects that you're working on. So that that probably plays a role in thinking definitely, about where definitely. you want to end up or different sure. different and gigs that you can take. Time, like I live at home right now. I like, like I live with my mom and don't have to worry about rent for right now. But I also pay for a car, so I can go for all my bills I have are my bills that I pay for myself. But I don't have to worry about like. I stay in like New Jersey. I commute to work just so I could save up money. And it's like a hard, yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird balance to like think about. Yeah, totally. So let's go back even further than, than when you first realized you wanted to be a teacher or it might, it might kind of fall on the same timeline, but what, um, what were you like as a, as, as a student? That's interesting. I don't think I've been asked that for a while. I think I was a weird student. I was like, definitely depend on the teacher. Like some teachers, I was like, I was always a good student. Um, I would always, like, I did my work on time. I got A's and B's in, in, in high school. I, was, I did all honors programs and always somehow stayed, managed to, like, maintain being in honors programs, even though I was, like, there were, like, 300 kids and everyone got ranked. I remember I was, like, 52, and I was, like, oh, sweet. I'm in, like, the top 100. And everyone's, like, mad because got, like, 22nd. <laughs> right. Back when those numbers, so like, much. meant so, like, so much happy. to like, you. Oh, sweet. I'm, like, in pretty high. And then everyone's, like, oh, I was only 22nd and I was only this. I was, like, the people in the top 50 were, like, so yeah. catty about it because they're trying to think about future goals of what they want and i'm like that's dumb but i was always trying to do good school i was always kind of weird and always strange and like the, the teachers that i liked i was always goofy with not like slacking off but just like making weird jokes or like but always like i liked learning certain things in other school other classes i would get really bored sometimes i like fall asleep in class and like sometimes get caught but i always like did work on time always managed like 
pretty pretty good. And then like so that was like the type of student I was in like high school, middle school, and always like trying like be like kind of like a showman or try to perform or like I don't know. It's definitely something I would think about. I was also like super righteous sometimes. Like, uh, I think my kindergarten teacher once said that I can't admit when I'm wrong, <laughs> and I was in kindergarten. <laughs> So it's like such a funny thing. To right. Like I'm like, but it's true. I'm like a very like self-righteous person. And I can't, I can't admit when I'm wrong, but it's just like a funny thing to like say that about like a five-year-old. Yeah. Well, especially cause like five, like children around that age, like are sort of notorious for not being able to admit when they're wrong or not knowing that they need to do that. So like for, for you to be like, yeah. have stood out, I guess like something, something must've going been going out, but must've been going on. out so much, but it's just like, why does it matter? Five. I don't understand. I don't know. Well, kindergarten yeah, teaching is like a whole, other, yeah. it's a I whole other thing. I, I teach a so. kindergarten club. God bless kindergarten teachers. And those kids are crazy, but really cute. Yeah, yeah. it's a whole other level. Um, so, but so you were so music has always been a, a consistent thing throughout your life, or like a passion for music was it was there in, yeah, in middle yeah, school definitely. and high school I as well. Playing music when I was nine. First instruments I learned were piano and saxophone. <laughs> I wanted to learn the saxophone because Bill Clinton played the saxophone. I was like, oh, our president plays. I'll, play <laughs> so I'll do that. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. That's all. What I, a different I time. About Bill Clinton. I just knew that he was a president. I didn't know who Monica Lewinsky was or anything. Right. He played, yeah, who's uh, he was president, he was president he and he played saxophone. I thought it was cool. <laughs> right. You and a lot of other people. And then I played piano because uh, my mom kind of made me p- play piano, which I really appreciate now because like, that's a very helpful tool. And then right around the time my parents got divorced, I got into guitar and that just kind of like changed everything. And guitar to me well, wasn't like wasn't as disciplined like i really would play like rock guitar i was in a punk band and because it wasn't really disciplined i kind of like fell in love with it really easy because it was just like a fun activity to do and i was like oh sweet i'm like it's a skill that i'm really like that's hard like music's a very like skill-based um activity but i wasn't thinking of it like that i was thinking like oh i just want to play these songs i like and kind of like would like figure it out and then through doing that so much i want to get better and better i kind of like refound uh, the discipline I needed to be like a better musician and the amount of hours to practice. And then I was, I went, I did like a guitar workshop over one summer and I was like, yeah, I don't want like, I found out Berkeley is like, you could study, be a guitar major or something and stay wherever you want. And I was like, yeah, I really don't want to do anything else but play guitar. And <laughs> I was like, I will, if I want to spend my on college education, I want to study what I want to study, like what I want to learn. And I was really good at learning music theory and like, learning like Cyrene and like understanding those concepts just came natural to me so I was like I just want to study this I don't want to do anything else and so that was always kind of like the set goal since I was like 15 I wanted to like be a musician yeah so so in talking about Berkeley w- did you change or develop at all like as a student like in in college did that kind of like did that start like the different phase yeah. of your education or like what, uh, what were you like as a college, college student compared to a high school or middle college school was a student? lot easier than a high school High school was, like, very difficult for me. I remember I was stressed out a lot in high school. And then college, when I did it, I was like, oh, this is, like, easy. It's, like, music theory homework. I just, like, this. it was, like, it was like middle school math. You know, when you, like, um, I remember, like, math was coming fairly easy and you just, like, solving equations. And I was, like, kind of the same thing in music theory classes. And the papers, I would write papers. And, like, sometime, most, like, sometimes teachers would be like, oh, that's really good. That was really good work you did. And I was like, I just wrote it right before I came here. It's, like, it was, like, I kind of developed, right. like, producing on, on a quick notice but i never to, i never pulled all-nighters i never was stressed out like finals week the most stressful i think i ever had was i had like i had to learn different instruments as a music education major so i remember i took uh learned how to play trumpet clarinet piano all in one semester 
and I had to practice guitar. So I was always practicing all these different instruments and stuff. And all that practice was kind of like overwhelming. But I think definitely, I mean, obviously, I, I definitely went through that phase of being a jaded college student. I kind of had a falling out with like, oh, I don't really care about music. I want to like write poetry or I want to like be in a band, not really care about like this, 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 like this art of it or like the art of guitar. Or I was like, oh, I was like kind of like overwhelmed with all the musicians and everyone's like all always like really about this, this, this. And it was like, come on, break from this. I don't want to be around all musicians all the time. Um, so I definitely got jaded and definitely got like, you know, the typical arrogance of a college student too. Like I read some books. I'm like, oh, I fucking know everything now. Or I'm a master of like all these advanced academic subjects when I really didn't know shit. And um, definitely the arrogance kind of met that arrogance was definitely tampered with and was humiliated by not humiliating the bad sense, but I was like definitely made humble when I started teaching. I was really like, Oh man, this is very difficult. Yeah. Like it reinforces just how little you know about yeah, like so yeah, many different sure. things, both in terms of your subject, but about teaching and just like about, like we were talking about earlier, just like being an adult and navigating life in general. So it's always a, uh, yeah, years after college is always a really great uh, thing to sort of oh, break down the hubris so you develop so as a college good. student. And that's why I'm like, so excited for like these high school students now because I feel like high school students are like where college students were when we were in college because they have so much more access to information. Like all those Parkland kids, they're so intelligent and they're so smart, so eloquent. And they're like so great. And I just really also want them just to be kids and like be like, you're going to make mistakes. And they've like, they're like, I think there's this thing they wrote a manifesto, like the Parkland kids wrote a manifesto or something. And they're getting all this like shit about like how's my intersectional enough or it's how it's like kind of ignorant because they don't really acknowledge the privileges or don't understand like the nuances of it it's not very nuanced everyone's giving the for it and i'm like of course it's not nuanced they're in high school they don't really understand they don't understand that it's like our job as like adults is to like be like all right this is good and this, but this is also the reality and like and how to teach these as like a teaching moment rather than to drag them because they're just they're they're kids well and making sure that we're we're validating the work that they're doing uh, in addition to, to, you know, acknowledging how they can be better because they are, I mean, they're not, our students aren't that much younger than, than us. I mean, I think we're the same, we're around the same age and, uh, the, but there's still, there's still like, something there's so much further in so many aspects than, yeah, than I was when I was that they, age. They still have that element of youth in it too, where they, still, they talk a certain way and they like interact a certain way. I'm like, yeah, you're still a kid because you don't know like certain things. Like you never like, uh, like don't know I've had to deal with the IRS before. I had to like fill out TurboTax, or you don't know like certain things about a terrible hangover. Maybe you do, but your body is young and you could survive that. You don't like your body hasn't been begun to fall apart yet. Well, and and you've had such limited exactly. experiences, and you've been exposed to like so like it's really when you're in high school, you're spending the same time with like the same exactly. small group of of kids, either from like you know K through twelve or nine through twelve. Um, so just like going away whether it's to college or, or taking a gap year or, or working like you get exposed to so many different ways of thinking which is really crucial and if you're missing that obviously you're going to speak in ways that reflect that you don't have that experience or don't have that access to level of nuance just yet um it's definitely yeah that's definitely true it's just like again there's like i think the hard the hardest part is that they still need like be kids and, and understand what joy is and like appreciate the joy of like that youthfulness and being like enamored with such like small things that are so stupid to us, but were amazing back then, you know. Well, that that leads really well into my next question, actually, which um, I wanted to hear from you 
how you think we are um, how we how you think we're failing our students currently. You can either in like a really like broad sense, um, just when it comes to education in general, or like your experiences, like in a charter school system or your particular industry. Like, how do you think yeah. we are failing uh, our students? Definitely, it's like it's definitely like a lot of like malpractice. I feel like in teachers too. Um, that I've like learned a lot about like classroom management skills and like how to like interact with students and how not to like take things so personally. And I feel like some teachers are like just take stuff so personally, aren't just really well disciplined in their craft. And I feel like some teachers don't like to learn from like try to get better at being a teacher too. And that's like definitely something like the older generations like that. And um, but at the same time, it's like they don't get paid enough to do that. Like we're not paying investing enough and to the, to help them do that. Uh, help them to like understand how like empathize with students or stop yelling at them or demeaning them like i had a student i have kids in my program that tell me their teacher tells them that like oh you guys are gonna fail or you guys are always such bad kids you don't deserve this like really just mean it's really like kind of like abusive in a sense and it's not to say that all teachers like that and all like new york city teachers are like that and it's not but they're definitely like the it's it's a weird sort of sense but at the same time like charter schools are also like super strict and then like unnecessarily and the data doesn't prove that being acting that way has better results rather like the data of the years with charter schools is that they don't always not super high performing and it's not outperforming everything and if it is it's the data is always manipulated manipulated because it's not serving total communities not serving total like disabled communities or not serving like the mentally mentally challenged communities or mentally disadvantaged communities rather um or saying like seeing how it's based on the lottery system and just also like the money of how there's like no we don't invest enough money in it and it's crazy it's crazy that fucking and like how our, all of it just depends on like huge bureaucratic bullshit like how our the the secretary of education is the dumbest person ever it's the most least education person who spent no time in the public uh school system and it's just so unfortunate. They understand that, like, charter schools isn't the answer either. Or maybe all public schools, they're, like, they're, are, they're always at, they're at fault, but it's not the public school's fault. And just understand, understand that if you want to invest in students, not schools, that but students are made, schools are made up of students. That's all what school is. It's just, like, teachers and students, and that's all it is. And it's, like, a symbiotic relationship. And I, I think uh, with, like, young people there aren't enough opportunities there and there is money there's definitely money to invest in them there's definitely money in the state there's definitely money on the federal level if we could afford a nine digit budget for military or we could afford to send like a president to a golf course every week like you say there's you can't pay teachers more and yet you could uh, offer to pay to teach them how to use guns for gun training or you could pay for like students to give them like clear backpacks but you can't give them better books and and also just understand like how the high training level needs to be to be a teacher and how i have to go under undergo constant training to and like under reevaluation and concerning about yourself and it's like how and also like the bureaucracy of that too i feel like people are so caught up in, like that admin level of how the like, bureaucratic it works and how it's like the teachers are kind of like left on their own free whim because of like oh this admin isn't really working there's so much politics with like how like principals are chosen and like this weird jealousy and it's like it's all these like stupid adult things and kids can't get caught in the crossfire they're not like 
I don't know what's the best way to, to, um, if there's enough data to show how to like make it better, but just the idea of like using education that it's not, it shouldn't be like competition. Like it shouldn't be like, we shouldn't have a capitalistic approach. Like, Oh, competition breeds better education. It's like, no, like students learn a community, like strong community building builds a good education. I feel like, and like interacting with people is what helps with that. So I guess that's definitely in some ways it's like on a budgetary level on a bureaucratic level it's like how and how stupid adults are too <laughs> adults are so dumb there, there's a there's a lot of malpractice and like in all aspects of education like you know first you were, you were talking about like individual teachers and just like the way that they operate on a day-to-day basis but then also thinking about like the larger structure of education and the way that we you know what we allocate our resources to and how that like reinforces our what our priorities are like as a country um when it comes to education i'm so, saying also it's not to say that there are incredible teachers individual teachers who do incredible work who do like a great job of, like understanding how to um manage all these kids and like try and work with kids but also it's how like the schools are structured and how there's one teacher for 30 students and how that that can't really work like for the reason why teachers are failing so much and why they're so stressed out and why they're like get mad at these kids because it's the numbers, the pure volume of students, and or the, they're like we have to teach all these kids, and there's not enough teacher adult per child ratio is not equivalent. It's not it's not equitable. Well, then this 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 is where I start to like kind of feel <laughs> feel guilty about my own privilege as an educator because right, I've got exactly. like eleven but that's students how it should be. It should like, be like in, in one of my stu- classes. Fifteen to twenty twenty I still think it's too much. But 15, 20, 15 students is such an ideal number, and that's why they should invest more in teachers and that and the expecting them to do so much and show the data that is like you're not really sure if that kind of data is is equal to like a genius and like how well good skill set is to to be like high performing citizen in this country. You know what I mean? It's just like you don't like doing all these like tests like in New York they're called the Regents uh and region exams in uh Massachusetts it was MCAS uh and then there's all these other different stupid tests that people are developing. The people who are who are creating these tests or designing these tests and designing these curriculums aren't also teachers. These are just people who like read are like data driven people and and uh, analytics and but they're not analysis but they're not actual teachers who actually spend time with human beings, right? Or who very spent little, very very like little time in the classroom. Secretary of Education never taught in her life. It's crazy. It makes no sense. So that's why like I don't feel bad. Like I understand why teachers can be overwhelmed and like act the way they do, uh, because of how it's structured too. It's it's really and there's amazing teachers who are able to work in that structure and who are able to teach thirty students and and facilitate. But even then, even those people get tired. And they are, they're human beings and they get exhausted. And it's just, it's definitely not fair. And it's not right. Well, so to kind of like, as we start moving into like the, the end uh, here, I want to ask you about what, like, what is the, the favorite like advice that you've ever received about teaching? Or like, what is something that you have learned or a major thing that you've like told, that you tell yourself about uh, teaching? Like something that you have to kind of remind yourself about that has really helped you better yourself as an educator and made you more well-equipped like to serve your students. I've gotten so much good advice. So many good things. My first principal at Salem actually gave me a great little mantra where he's like talking about the economy of words that if you say something over and over again, it kind of loses his meaning. So if you're always like, be quiet, be quiet, stop talking, stop talking, look at me, look at me, look at me. Stop. That's like not going to work because kids, the more you say it, the less they're going to listen to you. So he's like, really, it's like, take a breath, 
say things one with a clear objective and waits until they meet that objective or they meet that expectation always refer to what you're doing like always tell don't like be like a seeker's like oh you don't know what this is or there's a method to my madness like tell them <laughs> what you're doing and like i'm doing this because of this i'm asking you to write your name on this so i could know whose work this is i'm asking you to stand up because i want to teach you this skill because i want to teach you the skill so we can obtain this objective being very clear and transparent with students is like the ideal thing and you know you want to teach them specific things and also that you adjust that for grade level but like i learned like middle and high school is really good at that being very clear with objective always referring back to the objective too is like we're doing this because of this is what we want to achieve so i learned that i took a pd not too long ago uh with this guy who works uh, with the ramfield children's project and it's a lot about like positive role modeling role modeling and behavior and uh trying to build strong relationships and all teaching is no matter what the subject is is it's all about meeting needs and teaching skills and identifying what those certain needs and skills are so if kids acting out that means a needs not met or a skill has been taught to under address that need and that's all teaching is in embarrassment from k to 12 from pre-k to 12 is to do that and um it's very important for uh, teachers remember that and how you want to build positive relationships you invest capital and with like with good experiences and how you got to like develop community and it's really important to like develop community with your students and the idea of uh see so these are these all like management stuff and like how to like really understand like empathize with students and also the the, the power of a social contract or the power of scaffolding um of like scaffolding subjects so that you could achieve a certain goal um and just really just also just trusting yourself and drinking a lot of water that's all it is it's just you gotta be healthy i like didn't eat that much my first year and then which during the day and i was stressy at night and that's how i gained a lot of weight and like how i fell asleep while driving once and just like because i was not being healthy so you gotta like learn about self-care too and understand if you're ever feeling overwhelmed with anything too just like the power of meditation and kids are feeling overwhelmed taking a deep breath, breathing in and addressing things and understand the power of like your voice as an instrument and uh, really not like yelling. It doesn't, isn't always effective. Like I worked with one teacher today, she just yells all the time. I'm like, my guy, you're not like, there's not like a system to it. You like really understand there's like, have your own personal systems and structures in place. So you won't always feel like grounded and kids need that too sometimes kids need structure because they're coming from a life where there's no structure there's like everything's chaos and the world outside is chaos so when you they enter your classroom you're entering your world and you gotta build that world and show them what how the laws of work function that and how it's it creates some type of norm for them too well what i'm hearing a lot of a lot of what you're saying is this idea of like intentionality like in in the world that you're crafting like what you being intentional yeah, yeah. with your words like being intentional uh it, it, reinforcing a sense of intention like with your assignments or your activities oh, yeah. and model and modeling too modeling what you're saying it's like say it's still, tell soon don't be on your phone then you should also not be on the phone if they don't understand that you guys are adhering to the same classroom contract or the same social contract and can't be like try like and not develop it as a hierarchy but it's like a mentorship program where it's like i'm like i'm not treating you to condescend to you i'm, I'm telling you i'm treating you like how i think uh, you need to be trained in order to learn the best way because I think you should learn this because it's important. I mean, it sounds like you've had a lot of, like in talking about like your principal um, and you talking about how you've had, you've received a lot of great advice. I mean, that's 
And that's so crucial, like, especially like at this point, like in your teaching career, um, just like surrounding yourself like with good mentors or just people who will give you advice that is actually applicable, like to what you do in the classroom and can actually, um, like you can see the effects of it. Uh, so it's, I mean, and again, I just go back to this idea of like intentionality, um, which I think is, is something that you clearly prioritize and that's probably a big part of what makes you an effective educator. Yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I still, I still, you don't really know until you leave a place. That's true. Either. That's true. And yeah, ultimately it's, yeah, it's about reflecting back on like what you've, what you've been through and you're not able to evaluate like ha- how good of a job you did like in any given year or at any given school or in any given chapter until you've gotten some time away from it. Um, so the last thing I, I want to do, um, this is like a, uh, I don't know, a fun little game or something like that, or a challenge. We'll say it's a challenge. Um, what I want to have you do is I'm going to put 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. And, um, what I want to have you do is describe your teaching career, your entire teaching career to the best of your ability, um, in 30 seconds. So that's, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put it 30 seconds on the clock. Okay. Off you go in three, two, one. Okay, so I taught at a charter school. I taught grades 6 through 12. Uh, I did band, instrumental, choral, uh, general music. Then I worked uh, through nonprofits and then taught privately. I taught private lessons at, in houses and, at a, and also I taught at a middle school, like a rock band thing. And then I teach through different uh, nonprofits. I teach band, I teach guitar, I teach, I, I use different community building skills, and uh, I, I teach kindergarten too. And that is all I got. Oh, very well done. Um, great. Uh, I want you to do the same thing, but I want you to do it um, in. Uh, I want you to do it in ten seconds. Ten seconds. So do exactly what you did, but to the best of your ability in ten seconds. So I'm putting ten seconds on the clock and start in three, two. One. Well, I teach music in cities. Sometimes it's to one person. Sometimes it's to twenty-five people. It's a lot of people. I teach instruments. It's great. It's fun. Okay. Very well done. Uh, great. And if you could describe your teaching career in just uh, one word, um, how would you do that? One word. Um. It's evolving. It's an evolving teaching career. That's 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 what it should be. I think that's that's the best answer you could give. Um, awesome. Well, Chris, thanks uh, so much for for talking to me. Thanks, Sean. Um, it's very clear that you're doing really great work. Um, just you've done great work, like as a full time teacher, and then just in the work that you're doing with, you know, like your, you know, part time like music lessons, yeah. um, and kind of like balancing all that with your uh, with your other projects. Um, do you want to? T- tell us at all about any your music projects you're current, we're currently working in. Um, so right now I play in a band called Really From. Uh, we released an album last year called Verse under our old band name People Like You, and we're working on a new album. And we're gonna go on tour. Uh, we're currently trying to book our tour in, in the summer, in July, and uh, yeah. And I also play guitar and a lot of other things too. And that's that, that's actually where I met I met Chris um, through uh, his his old band uh, I Kill Giants um, and uh, shout out that sort of like was my introduction to to Chris um, and definitely check out his music um, all of his music projects are incredible he's a very talented musician this is like the the flattery corner this is the flattery portion of the uh, <laughs> of the podcast uh, 
Yeah, so, so check all of that out. Um, and yeah, thanks again, Chris. Really appreciate thanks, you man. talking to me. Thank you, my dude. Thank you to Chris for speaking with me. Just a quick plug, Really From recently announced some tour dates for the end of July, so be sure to check them out on Facebook to get more info on where and when you can see them live. Also, check out their latest album, Verse, which is fantastic and features the song we use for our theme music. This podcast was created and hosted by me, John LeMay. Our associate producer is Emily Moeller. Our cover art is by Katie Cooper. And our theme music is You Need a Visa by Really From. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you'll join me next week for another episode featuring another teacher and another story.